How's it going, guys? And welcome back to the First in Tech podcast. New voice. This is not Nicholas. This is uh, Tristan, managing editor. <laughs> what? <laughs> just going before you're supposed to go. What do you mean? I was going to do a whole thing. All right. Well, I'm sorry I ruined your parade. Yeah, well, as you now know, joining me is Tristan Tucker, managing editor. He's just going out of order. I am, if you are wondering, uh, Jalen Harrington, editor-in-chief at Technician. Um, and, yeah, we're here to talk some football. You ready for that? Yeah, I am. I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> we have a lot of thoughts because it's been a very long time. Um, since the last time we spoke to you, uh, Technician's done a lot of coverage of NC State. We had preseason predictions. We went to the ACC kickoff. We submitted ballots. We have seen now the first six games of the season. Don't know why this is the first time we're doing a podcast, but it is. So let's strap in because we got a lot to cover. Better late than never. Yeah, exactly. So let's just start off with a bit of a season recap. Um, NC State is 5-1. and one. How did that happen? Well, game one, UCF, UCF, USF, <laughs> strong start here. Game one against USF, NC State won 45-0, traveled to Mississippi State, lost 24-10, came back, beat up on Furman, beat Clemson double overtime, 27-21, beat Louisiana Tech in a trap game, 34-27, and now we get to Boston College. So before Boston College, let's stop and do a bit of a season recap. Tristan, what were your thoughts kind of going into that BC game? Were you surprised? They were 4-1. and one. What were kind of your general impressions of the team? I was really worried about Boston College. Um, that's one of the uh, games that I thought definitely could have been a loss. Um, NC State does this every year where the first few games, it's kind of impossible to get a read on what the team like actually is. Because, I mean, obviously they're going to beat up on Furman and USF. There's just, like, it's fun to watch as a fan, your team going off. But it's also kind of frustrating because, I mean, you just don't have any kind of read for your team. Uh, and then, you know, they go to Mississippi State. In between that, uh, they get destroyed. Um, it was kind of, like, way further than the two-score margin that the box score shows. I mean, they just didn't have control the entire game. Um, and then Clemson was you know, awesome. But I mean, now that we see they're they're not that good. Um, and you kind of got that sense when you were watching them in person. Um, because I mean, they just couldn't get the ball moving like at all. Um, it was just, it was a weird game. Um, and then, uh, Louisiana tech again, you know, that's a one score game. Not, not all that, uh, inspiring, uh, to me going into Boston college, but, um, yeah, I was I was pretty skeptical uh, going in for sure. Yeah, I think I think that's a very understandable thing. You know, NC State was expected for this to be the year, uh, but that's you know every year minus a handful where you know you're like, okay, we're lucky to be eight and whatever. You know, anytime NC State's good the year before, the next year is automatically the year. And then game two, you go and get trounced in Mississippi State. You lose your best player on defense in Peyton Wilson for the season. You lose your top safety in Cyrus Fagan for the year on defense. I mean, it was about as bad as it can get because it's the proverbial, we want the SEC. No, you don't. Yeah. No, no you don't. Definitely not. <laughs> because play one was a 100-yard kickoff return right down your throat. Welcome to the SEC. How yeah. <laughs> you like those cowbells? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? There was, um, I went on to um, the ACC like radio 
um, before that game, Mississippi State, I went on with one of the guys from Mississippi State's paper. And, you know, I was talking my talk. I was uh, I was saying, you know, best players of the game were going to be Devin Leary and Cyrus Fagan. Well, you know, we see how that turned out. Um, so, you know, that first play of the game happens. I kind of uh, I kind of knew what kind of night it would be at that point. No, it was funny. I um I also I also did a show with those guys. Um, you did it for SiriusXM, big time. I uh, I did their podcast and uh, we were zooming and I, I I was telling them about how you know things aren't always what they appear. You know the Mississippi State guys they thought oh you know this is a really good NC State team probably not gonna win yada yada yada. And I said guys I'm gonna tell you a quick story, and it's about my freshman year. The team for NC State goes to the Gator Bowl plays a sorry Texas A&M team. I'm covering the game, and as I'm on the field, as it begins, I'm just walking to get in position for my shot. Kellen Mond runs past me for like an 80-yard touchdown. And <laughs> right then and there, you know, in for a long day. And it was yeah. the same exact feeling. Yeah. These same exact feelings. Yeah. So, you know, really disappointing to see them go into Mississippi and come back with a loss. But it also was really nice, even though Clemson isn't good, to see them come back and actually beat a Power 5 team. Yeah, yeah, that was inspiring. And, I mean, obviously the feeling among the fans was amazing, kind of shot through the roof at that point. Um, and that has kind of had to do with the rest of the expectations for this season. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, let's hmm, let's table expectations for right now. Yeah. We'll come back. Yeah. And let's go ahead and dive into the Boston College game. So 5-1 and one, NC State now. They were 4-1 and one coming into Boston. What did you think was going to happen? I mean, this is a road game. NC State doesn't play extremely well on the road. Last time they went up there, lost 45-24 to with some garbage time TDs for NC State thrown in there. You know, what were your thoughts going in, and, and how surprised were you with the finish? I was, I was um, like I said, I was skeptical going in. Um, I looked at this game as kind of not necessarily make or break, um, but – this would be the first game in which we really got a definition of what this NC State team is. Because, I mean, again, you play, you know, three teams that you're expected to beat and, you know, Furman, USF, and Louisiana Tech put up an ungodly amount of points. I mean, that's expected. Um, and then Clemson, who knows, you know, who knows at that point what they are, who could have, you know, foreseen that they wouldn't have even been ranked now at this point. Um, and then you've got the loss. So... And they've only played, again, one of those games was a road game, and that was the, you know, devastating loss. So I was pretty concerned. Um, but I think this, you know, winning uh, in such a definitive way is really inspiring because it, it gives you some confidence moving forward. Um, but it also shows, like, what NC State can be when it's clicking. Now, there were obviously, like, you know, the first quarter, it seemed like it was going to be a shootout. Um, and the defense looked horrendous. There is still questions and concerns that I have like from the game but that third quarter uh, I think it was like 21 points that they got um, it was just absurd I mean you know if you walked away for like a half second and came back to that game you'd be like confused um, so yeah I mean it was an inspiring effort um, but I think this win maybe says more about the team than winning over Clemson shockingly oh I would absolutely agree I think that's a great take. I mean, look, beating Clemson is huge. Yeah, Beating Clemson is massive. They, Clemson was one of three ACC teams that Doran had never beaten. 
The other two are on the coastal side, which is completely understandable. You play those guys once every seven years. Clemson is bashing your head in every single year. So, of course, it is huge <laughs> to finally get one over on those guys. But, I mean, even the Clemson game, State should have won by more. It was a sloppy performance. And so it was nice to get, you know, that, that, that proverbial chip off of your shoulder. But at the same time, there was so much more that we didn't know. And then it kind of becomes more important going into that BC game of this question of can they win on the road? People talk a lot about Doran's record on the road is this, yada, 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 that. And, you know, NC State came out with a performance that no one could have expected. NC State was favored by three, and that's with the knowledge that Boston College was playing with the backup quarterback. They come out, and the defense puts up probably its best performance of the year. The special teams were amazing. Trenton Gill is playing out of his mind right now, and no one notices, but he is – He's going off. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what they're putting in his Wheaties, but <laughs> <laughs> keep doing it because it's just it's working so well. I mean, Devin Leary is he is the best game manager probably in college football. He's, I think yeah. everyone in college football who's a better quarterback than him isn't in that game manager role. You know, they're kind of in that go out, you're the gunslinger, you're Matt Corral, your offense, go do your thing. Mm-hmm. You know, Devin Leary is maximizing, you know, the role that he is being given. And just look at the stat lines that he's putting up. 16 for 24, 251 yards, three touchdowns, 67% completions. His QBR is consistently super high. I saw a graph today where, um, you know, they were kind of graphing QBR versus EPA, mm-hmm. expected points added per pass. Um Devin Leary was in the upper right quadrant with maybe seven to ten of the best quarterbacks in college football. I mean, the guy is really doing an amazing job of just taking care of the ball. And that's really all this team needs at this point is just win the turnover margin, take care of the ball, let the defense win the game for you. It feels really nice to finally have that, um, you know, after all the questions that we've had at cornerback, I mean, quarterback over the last two years. Um, And, I mean, the stats that you just – said that's like what he's been doing all season and that's awesome i mean he's got a 67.3 percent completion percentage on the season uh he's got a thousand five hundred yards he's got 15 touchdowns to two interceptions i mean it's just nice to see that um and he's making like really good decisions with the ball and i i would be remiss to talk about this boston college game and not bring up the stellar player devin boykin so devin boykin comes off of the bench in this game he was supposed to be the third string safety. Obviously, he's going up because Cyrus Fagan's out. Um, he got the start last game. He got the start last game, and I was intrigued. Yeah. I assumed it was punishment for Tanner Ingle. I didn't know what Tanner had done, but you know, I assumed it was that. Thought nothing much of it because Tanner comes in and plays most of the rest of the game. When Devin Boykin comes out today, he's getting a lot of snaps. He's making great plays on the field. And then on special teams, he picks up a bizarre dropped punt, runs in for a touchdown, becomes the ACC specialist of the week. I mean, you know, this team has the mantra of next man up. We all practice like we're starters. Anybody can do it. But, I mean, how nice is it to see that on the field? Really nice. Uh, I'm glad that you brought that up because that's, like, one of my favorite things about this team. And, you know, at the cost of maybe individual statistics for certain players – 
I'm, I mean, just to use an example, you see that with Zonovan Knight and Ricky Person. This team's whole mantra is kind of like by committee. And normally I hate by committee offenses or defenses for that matter um, because it almost never works. But interestingly enough, it, it is working. I, I was nervous, especially, you know, we lost, you know, Fagan and we lost um, um, Peyton Wilson for the year. Um, and, and CJ Clark. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, One at those, each level of the defense. Yeah, and those, I mean, those are not like insignificant losses. I mean, especially Wilson, somebody who you know commandeers pretty much the entire defense. He led the ACC in tackles last season. Um, just impossible, seemingly, to replace that production. And then you have all these guys stepping up. I mean, it kind of seems like you have a new player every week stepping up. I mean, you have a new Boykin. Almost, I mean, not maybe not to that level, obviously, but it seems like every week you can kind of pick a player, even dating back to last season, really, uh, especially in the secondary. Um, with players just kind of stepping up and stepping out, and that's awesome um, because all these players are getting like really good experience, and that means your depth is like like war hardened. Um, other teams, I mean, you see suffer uh, injuries, and their whole season is completely done because they don't have those guys that can kind of step in and step out. So it's really awesome to see. Yeah, it's 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 insane. I mean, CJ Clark goes down, and you're thinking, wow, this is the third starter out. What's going to happen to this defense? Corey Durden comes in and plays, and we're looking around like, hey, maybe Corey should have been starting this entire yeah. time. Like, yeah. you know, I think it's I think it's coaching. This coaching mm-hmm. staff is one of the best in the ACC, one of the best in the country. If really? we want to talk about it, I mean, look, they may not be the world's hottest recruiters ever. They may not pull in every single five-star that you can see, but they've got this team playing super, super well. I mean, when's the last time NC State had a secondary you weren't scared about? It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, it's been a, it's been since before what before we were in college. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's you know it's insane, and I think because every single unit on the team is good, there's no drop off, and it means that also you don't have to have that one star. It doesn't have to be oh NC State is. Ryan Friendly, Kelvin Harmon, and Jacoby Myers. It doesn't have to be this defense is Bradley Chubb. It's everyone, and they're so good that you can't just target a single guy. There's no defense that can come in and say, okay, we're going to shut down Thayer Thomas, or we're going to shut down Amezi. Amezi had two catches against Boston College. He had a third one that he actually fumbled, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, had, he had two catches for nine yards. Mm-hmm. They won by 26 points. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it's 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 just this team right here, it's good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's real good. And speaking of how good this team is, let's talk about expectations and let's talk about this big buzzword I keep hearing, respect. Where did this respect talk come from? What happened? <laughs> I have absolutely no idea did did we run something because we we start a lot of conversations did did we run something that wasn't respectful no did i i think was it me not raising (laughs) at c state is that it might be might be i think a lot of people take our like timidness uh, um like regarding this team as people who have been watching this team for you know over four years i mean before we came to college i mean both of us were big nc state football fans um and, you know, they take us being timid as, oh, um, you're being like, you're a hater, you're a doubter, you're doubting this team. Yeah. And it's, you're not doubting this team. I mean, like, you can't, like, I don't even think I had NC State in the top 25. I was less public about it, maybe. Oh, yeah. um, but I don't think I had NC <laughs> State in the top 25 it. until 
I think I had them in at number 25 right when they beat Clemson and then Louisiana Tech. I did not like the performance overall. I dropped them down to like 27. It's completely understandable, but it's also not disrespectful to say, you know, they're, they're like expectations for this team. Like it, you have to like taper them somewhere. Yeah, I, I think some people are having amnesia because look, yes. this is a good team, <clears throat> yeah. okay? We have seen quote unquote good teams like NC State go on the road to a Boston college and not do what NC State just did. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, sometimes it just takes some time. And also, look, come on, people. NC State's good. NC State's 5-1. and one. NC State deserves respect. We're halfway through the year. Yeah. Let's, let's put pause on the respect talk because you've still got a half season to go. There's no need to cry about respect in the middle of October when you've got six games left. Yeah. You've got to go beat Miami. You've got to mm-hmm. go beat Wake. You've got to go beat UNC. Yeah, it's not the easiest schedule. Those are not givens. Yeah, like especially like does, like even the fact that those two like teams, UNC and Miami, are bad. Correct. Like, we've seen them lose to bad teams before. Correct. Like just go back to our freshman year, the 2018 season. This Wake. team is rolling, and what and it sucks because we would have seen this coming way earlier had that West Virginia game not been canceled. Mm-hmm. But you know they've got. Oh, we've got James Madison, Georgia State, Marshall, mm-hmm. um, Virginia. Um, you've got all these games, and then you go, you go to Syracuse, and like, come on, like at Syracuse, destroyed, just like not even like can't they, stop a nosebleed. Syracuse scored fifty plus points, correct? And then you lose at home, the most disappointing game I've seen uh, against Wake Forest that year. Mm-hmm. That team had Ryan Finley. That team had Kelvin Harmon. That team had Jacoby Myers. Had all the stars. That team had like what, like. Six dudes get drafted from it. I Correct. mean, like, something like it. The O line was insane. Um, that was what Garrett Bradbury's year. Mm-hmm. So I mean, you've got all these like crazy starters, like which is way more than the team that this year has. Like, like you were saying. I mean, you've got like people like Emeka who are like finishing games to two catches for nine yards. Not that it matters, but I mean, the pedigree of that roster was way bigger, Correct. and we've seen that team just collapse. And it, it's happened before. I mean, it's just the sad reality yeah. of it. And it's new to see an NC State that doesn't do that. I mean, even let's take it back to last year. It was insane to see a game-winning drive. That was yeah. new. Yeah. That was new. Had, yeah. had one for what? At that point, it was eight years? Something like That's it? That's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is, this is very, very, very new for people. Yeah. And I think, you know, at the same time, it's not the time to smell your roses. Oh, absolutely not. I predict a preseason NC State would go ten and two. I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. Yeah. I'm saying that to say they're only halfway there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, it's not yeah. a done deal. And I think, you know, while this team knows, of course, at this point that it's good and knows at this point that it can beat most anyone in the country, um, it's completely another thing to go out on the field and prove it every single Yeah, and I mean I'm looking at the schedule. I don't think really any of them except for like maybe like, you know, at Florida State and like versus Syracuse should be like, quote unquote, givens. And I yeah. hate saying that for any game oh, yeah. because, again, I've seen just the stupidest things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, even at Florida State, that FSU game is circle it, it circle it. I before the season and this is, you know, before they what lost to Jacksonville State. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I had Florida State marked as our surprising loss. And as stupid as that might sound now to like verbalize that, there's a reason for it. They 
just can pull together the most like random things. I mean, they beat UNC at UNC. And NC State has not had like the most, I don't know the exact numbers off the top of my head, but they haven't had like a, a ton of success in Tallahassee like in recent years. It's like the last decade or so, like we've only won a handful of games. If I remember right, they should be very close to 500 because what, my sophomore year, they should have beaten Florida State, but they lost. It was like 16 10 in yeah. Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. Um, and then didn't play them last year. So it's, it's something like, one and one in the past five years because the last one would have been Bradley Chubb. Yeah. And Jacoby. That Tallahassee so. game, my sophomore year, our sophomore year. That was that was my birthday. That was hard. That that was a hard that was a hard game to watch. So, you know, they've got an opportunity now to go to two and one on the road in recent memory against Florida State. Let's just for for, for fun's sake, let's just pencil in Miami as a win. Let's pencil in Louisville as a win. It's pencil in Florida State as a win. November 13th is going to be an interesting day. You've, you've got a team in NC State right now undefeated in conference play. Wake is right now undefeated in conference play. That should stay that way, even though they almost lost to Louisville. Yeah, and, and Syracuse, right? Yeah, I mean, what do you think are NC State's chances right now of winning the Atlantic? It's hard to say. I, I I would say pretty high. It's theirs to lose, obviously. Um, theirs to lose, okay. Yeah, because, well, Wake's schedule hasn't been that That's great. True. That's I, true. I, no matter how low I've been on NC State, I've had Wake Forest below them, like one spot, I think, really? consistently every week. I'm pretty sure. This week might have, or two weeks ago might have been different. Um, but, I mean, they've had those close games that you're talking about. Yeah. Um, I'm not sold that they're like the best team. Really? Uh, no respect for the zero. I mean, see, I, I grew up there. I grew up with that team and like we have, you know, NC State stuff. Um Wake Forest has just it's been a it's been a rough ride, um, even when they have great teams. And I mean again, their schedule, uh, looking at it right now, Old Dominion, Norfolk State, Florida State, Virginia, Louisville. Syracuse. They went to overtime against Syracuse, a not good Syracuse who was like switching out their quarterback at the time, uh, and Louisville who they beat by three points. Who I don't, I also don't think Louisville is very good. I mean, I like, I, I like Malik Cunningham. I, I like him as a quarterback. I mean, not the best, obviously. I just like him. Um, but I mean, you shouldn't be like lauding these like wins. These like you don't like harrowing. the Virginia win. Hold on, the Virginia win is good. Okay, the Virginia win is good. That's but the Virginia is the best win. But, I think. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. But Virginia is also not. It's true. Not great. And this I I've seen some people like vote them like top twenty five, and I'm like, do we remember they like let UNC score like sixty points on them? Like, it was like fifty nine or something ridiculous. And I mean, I. I mean, they aren't that great either. I mean, like, again, their schedule, too, has been super easy. I mean, William & Mary, Illinois, then just absolutely get destroyed by Wake Forest and North Carolina, not even a chance. Beat an injured and not good Miami team, and then uh, one point Louisville, and then destroy Duke. It's like That back-end schedule for Wake is not going to be fun. Their last, I think, four games, if you've got the schedule, uh, I'm pretty sure just off of memory, it's not easy. It's it's a mixed bag. They you know they go to Army um, and then they play Duke at home. That'll be like a slaughter fest. Um, but then you've got at UNC um, versus NC State at Clemson and then at Boston College. So none of those last four 
like those none of those are easy um and i mean you know i could see them having a game really against army honestly at army i mean who knows but i i'm not super sold on wake i think it's kind of you know if nc state wins out and i mean that would include beating wake forest it's i mean it's theirs um now whether they can do that or not that's a completely different question. Now, is there is there a step forward you think the team needs to take in order to, or do they just have to keep doing what they're doing? <sighs> kind of a mix of both. Um, like, like I said earlier, um, when we were talking about you know Boston College, that first quarter looked like it was going to be a shootout. The defense just completely like got got shot and like looked super stunned immediately. I mean. It was like what, like they both teams had scored in like the first five minutes or something. It was something insane. Um, it looked like it was going to be a shootout. It wasn't, but um, you need to see more of a third quarter consistency, and you need to see that throughout the entire game. You can't always rely on. I mean, no matter what sport, no matter what like team you are, you can't always rely on having some you know post halftime burst. That just doesn't always happen. It's not always realistic. Um, and I individually. Um, I, I want to see the defensive line keep doing what they're doing. Um, they started off the season kind of slow in terms of a like statistical output. Um, I was really, really impressed with how they played against Boston College. Uh, three sacks against a pretty solid offensive line. Um, yeah, I mean, it, they have to be, um, you know. Um, and they got three sacks off of them. Um, so, I mean, that that's impressive to me. Um, so it's kind of a mix. Uh, and Devin Leary, too, needs to just stay consistent. Can't have any more Mississippi states. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna throw up one thing. I think penalties are, are gonna be a really big thing. I think I haven't gone back and specifically looked at it, but I think a big thing at the very least on the defensive side was there were penalties that got Florida Florida State that got Boston College free first downs in the first quarter. I think they shored those up, and that's kind of what began that process of okay, now Boston College can't do anything. I think the other thing to look out for is, and there really aren't that many left on the on the schedule, but NC State has not faced very many good quarterbacks. It's faced, and I'm going to be generous here, one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Austin Kendall. Uh, I think Will Rogers um, had a decent game. From what I can tell, he's kind of, yeah. Oh, you're giving kinda, it to Austin Kendall over Will Rogers. Interesting. Yes. Austin Kendall, just eye test wise, and 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 the other thing for Mississippi State was a, a lot of that time they had the game in the bag. They didn't win because of Rogers. Yeah. Louisiana Tech was in the game because of Austin Kendall, and he was making some throws, man. Yeah, he, he was making like, throws. He had like three touchdowns that game. I mean, I guess he had to have because they scored like thirty points. Yeah. But so yeah. I think that's really the only kryptonite for this defense right now is a quarterback that can actually make accurate downfield throws. And looking at this schedule, I mean, you don't feel too unconfident. Boston College, you thought you were going to have to play Phil, Phil Jerkovic. You didn't. Yeah. You thought you were going to have to play Derek King. You don't. Louisville Thankfully. Louisville sucks. Louisville's quarterback <laughs> is not that good. I'm just not going to pretend like <laughs> it is. Jordan Travis, I think, is all right. I think what he does, though, comes off of the run. I don't think he's that guy that's going to sit back and make you pay for, for not respecting his passing ability. Yeah. Wake Forest, yes. Sam Hartman's good. Cuse mm-hmm. sucks. Not going to sugarcoat it. I don't like don't like him. 
They're yeah. better than they were last year, but they're they're not good. And Sam Howell. So you've got two quarterbacks on the remainder of the schedule that pose a threat. I'm the gonna, other four, eh. Yeah. I'm going to disagree a little bit on Cunningham. Because, really? Because, like, Louisville isn't that good of a team. This is true. But his stats are, like, pretty decent. Um, I think he's another one that starts off the run. Yeah, know? yeah, but, I mean, we see how, like, and, I mean, again, you know, worried about FSU's quarterback, too, a little bit in this regard. And, honestly, like, Van Dyke kind of he really? got some wheels. The but, Tyler Van Dyke's saying, yeah, okay. He, well, not a good, not a good quarterback. <laughs> not a good quarterback. But he's kind of got some wheels. Um, I definitely worry, um, especially given that Miami game last year. Um you know, that's a game they should have won too. Oh, absolutely! Up by ten um, in the fourth. Oh my yeah. goodness! Yeah, no, that was ridiculous. But um, dual threat quarterbacks, uh, anybody that can like run, um, haven't seen a whole lot of that this year. Um, a little worried about Cunningham in terms of his ability. Uh, he's not like, and he's he's a he's a pretty solid passer. I I would argue, you know, he's a better he's a better passer than people give him credit for. I mean, he's got. Like you can you can compare his stats to Leary. I mean, I think they're pretty close in terms of completion percentage. Um, the ratio TD to interception is a little bit lower because Louisville t- tends to score a little bit less, but also he scores a lot on the ground. Um, so I mean, he's got like I- I'm looking at it now. He's got eight passing touchdowns and he's got ten rushing touchdowns. So you compare that. I mean, eighteen total touchdowns to two interceptions. I, I mean. He's not turning the ball over unless he's fumbling. Yeah, I I worry a little bit, um, and yeah, I mean I'm don't I'm not seeing the the fumble stats, but um, he I, I kind of saw how he took control um, against some of these other teams. I mean UCF uh, at that point in the schedule was not a very like that was not like a walk in the park. Um, so I'm not not that I'm saying I'm worried about the Louisville game. But when it comes to quarterbacks that can do like multiple things, I'm a little interested to see how. Yeah, I'm a little interested to see how this defense responds, and I, I feel the same way too with Sam Howell. I mean, you made, you brought up a really good point. They haven't faced many good quarterbacks, and definitely none to Sam Howell's level. Um, I mean, I think I picked him for Player of the Year. I mean, who could have foreseen the the downfall that that team had? But I mean, he. I went to watch that Miami UNC game in person. He he looked pretty good, save for the pick six. We'll go gloss over that. But I mean, he's, <laughs> there's a reason he was getting you know mocked and still is pretty consistently in the first second round of the NFL draft. I mean, not to use professional optics for what's happening now, but I mean, he's he's a good quarterback. No, he is. I I, I said preseason that I thought that UNC was going to be the biggest win of the year. Didn't expect UNC to be that bad, but. I kind of still like that pick because, you know, it's going to be the very last game of the season. You're still going to want to have that ACC Atlantic wrapped up if you're at that point. And it's going to be big for bragging rights. I think you need to shut Sam Howell down. That's going to be a point of pride, especially after how he's done you the last two seasons. So I look forward to seeing that in particular. Um, And with that, let's kind of slide into Miami. Let's focus on that a little bit. Um, this Miami Hurricanes team is is their team. They, they they exist. Yeah, I mean, look, they they've had a rough start to the year. I'll always I'll always respect the team that is willing to play people. Played Alabama the first game. Played Michigan State your third game. Had App State your second game. I mean, that is not 
an easy off uh, non-conference schedule. Yeah, especially with Michigan State in hindsight. Yeah. I mean, at the time, it maybe wasn't, you know, the best, most stellar game on the schedule. But, I mean, now Michigan State's, what, like 10, 11 yep, in the country? Yep, top 10 team. Yeah, I mean. And, and Miami is worse for wear for it because they came out of that stretch 2-2 two and two in non-conference. And they're 0-2 so far in conference play. I will give them, I think they were one of the only teams to, like, keep it, like, under, like, a 50-point margin against Alabama. So, I mean. <laughs> More <I'll>, victories. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I'll, I give Miami the benefit of the doubt a little bit in terms of their season. I think Manny Diaz is an awful coach, but um, and I think he's gone at the end of the year. I think that's kind of common knowledge almost, it seems. Like, that's kind of the consensus around the ACC. But um, it's not for their players on the field. They, they've got people that are coming in stepping up and trying to make plays every week. Um, I mean, they lost, I think, two offensive linemen. Uh, they lost their starting running back for the year. They lost another big contributor uh, in the backfield. Uh, I think their third string RB went down for the year. Um, and then, you know, obviously you lose Derek King, uh, someone who you've been game planning with the entire offseason. That's not insignificant. Um, but to call this team a football team right now is – is generous. <laughs> um, as I mentioned, uh, I did go to the uh, Miami at UNC game. First of all, for all of you NC State fans listening that don't think I'm a homer, Keenan Stadium is awful, and it maxed out at like 50% capacity. So I'll leave it at that. Um, those two teams, neither of those two teams wanted to win. Um, so it kind of inspired confidence for me watching this Miami team. They have threats in the backfield. Jalen Knighton is insane. Um, he had, I think, like 165 yards total, um, 17 carries for 92 yards, uh, two touchdowns, and then he had two catches for 73 yards. I mean, he's not going to necessarily have a 60-yard touchdown pass every single week, um, but he has wheels. Um, he eludes defenders like nobody's business. That's somebody who I'm keeping an eye on. Uh, and then I mentioned Van Dyke. Um, as bad as his stat line looks, one touchdown, three interceptions, he did make some like accurate passes. His interceptions, a lot of the times, um, just came from just releasing it way too quickly. Um, but he he had some actual highlight reel passes. He he left the pocket a couple of times, like on the move, in the end zone, threw it out, hit somebody on the corner. I mean, there were some catches there that, I mean, were just insane. I mean, they got glossed over because they lost. Yeah. But, I mean... Their receivers can make plays. They're, I mean, they have talent. Um, and, I mean, their receptions, like, kind of look, like, pretty good. I mean, um, Keyshawn Smith is another guy. He had 73 yards for them. Uh, he was making big plays. Um, you know, they had several guys. I mean, they had 264 yards um, passing, and 250 of those came in the, like, latter three quarters. After the first quarter, they had, like, 12 yards of offense. It was, it was bad. But that being said, I, I really like NC State's chances here. I, I do as well. And Miami's a team I wish I've gotten to watch more, but it's not often that they're in a game I need to see oh, yeah. versus <laughs> the yeah. other more relevant matchups. But I think, you know, looking at kind of the box scores for the games that they played, um, that can always tell you a really good story. And the big thing that's popping out to me is just how explosive – they are in the pass game with Van Dyke. I mean, he doesn't complete a ton of passes, but when they do, I mean, against Virginia, he was averaging 13 yards of completion, seven yards an attempt. 
against UNC, he was, again, 13 yards per completion, down to six yards per attempt, but that just means he wasn't completing balls. You know, Miami's got an offense that apparently can make you pay once they actually get it going, and that kind of speaks to the talent that they have. Um, the other thing that's popping out to me that's really intriguing for this matchup is how Miami is on third downs. It looks like the way that they clawed back into that UNC game was, A, their penalties weren't too terrible, 7-5, to five, and then on third down, they went 8-16 of 16, while UNC went 7-15. of 15. Yeah, they were – yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, um, you know, I can see pretty consistently in conference play, Miami gives up a lot on third downs. They gave up against Virginia. It was a similar story. Virginia converted 9 of 18 on third downs. So it's going to be huge for Miami to try and stop NCC on third down. If they can't, going to be in for a bad day. Virginia, not Virginia. Miami is also going up against the best third down defense in the country yeah. overall. They allow 25% conversions on third down. So I think, you know, it's not going to be that same path to victory here because, you know, NC State's very, very good at keeping your offense off the field, keeping the defense rested, and that's how they win. So I think, you know, that's something to watch out for. Can Miami convert on third downs? And if they can't, they're going to lose. We match up really well with them, receiver to cornerback. Um, Their cornerbacks look massive compared to UNC's. Um, but you've got guys like Josh Downs on UNC who's just small. Um, but, I mean, we've got so many of those big receivers that that's going to be pretty easy. And I also, like, you were talking about penalties earlier. That is definitely going to be key. The entire reason Miami clawed back into this were the stupid pass interference penalties that UNC committed. Tony Grimes, he was I think he was a five-star cornerback recruit. He had, like, four pass interference penalties. And, like, solely because of him, they were able to get into the end zone, like, I mean, into the red zone, like, three times. I mean, he had, I think he had two that came in the actual end zone. So they were just on the one-yard line, able to just punch it up the middle with Jalen Knighton or with Van Dyke. And, I mean, I, I also agree on the third down efficiency. Um, UNC's defense looked really porous. There was a certain play later in the game um, where Van Dyke, you know, he was looking around. He was, like, scrambling around running around, and then they just left the entire field in front of him open. He was able to run. on. I, I want to say it was like it might have been a fourth and ten um, that he was able to convert. Um, just insane stuff that, like, NC State ideally should be able to match up well with and stop. Don't know if that will actually be the case, but, like, like I said, Miami kind of plays like they don't want to win, and, it, and I think their game plan, too, is um, not the best. Uh, their offensive sets were – Interesting, uh, to say the least. Uh, we were we were joking. I was joking with um, our assistant sports editor Wade Bowman um, at the game. Uh, it kind of seemed like for at least the first half, seemed like he was just you know running like Madden suggested plays. Like he was just running like four verts offense like every single time. Like obviously that's not gonna work. <laughs> like you gotta you gotta game plan against like actually good coaches and an actually good defensive coordinator, which NC State has. Yeah, I think that's that's another really big thing is, you know, NC State has had penalty issues in games. Usually it's it's only in like the first quarter and then they kind of settle in and they kind of get going. I think this is going to be a discipline battle between these two teams. You know, Manny Diaz is fighting for his life right now. <laughs> He's coaching yeah. for his job. And I think this is a game that for him is going to turn into a must win. 
Yeah. You can't lose three straight conference games to start the season. I don't care how much they're paying already for your Temple buyout. Like, they yeah. will fire you. Yeah. And, and especially coming out of two straight games where you, you know, you coach your team well. You coach mm-hmm. them enough that they were still in the game. They were still fighting through the fourth quarter, and they were trying to get it close. Yeah. And you lost field goal games. This can't be a game for Miami where you get blown out. This can't be a game for Miami, maybe even that you lose close. So I think, you know, this is one of those situations where, you know, it's that animal that's backed into a corner. They're going to come out and try anything. Van Dyke's got two games under his belt now against decent competition. Miami's back at home. I mean, I think this could end up being a dangerous game for NC State just because of that same thing we used to always say about FSU, which is, look, the team may suck, but the talent is still there. It just takes someone to unlock it. Yeah, I am a little worried about this game. Um, I, I kind of feel the same way about it that I did Boston College, um, given you know the injury to the starting quarterback, given you know some of their other injuries around the ball. Um, I mean, Boston College is a better coach team, has better talent um, outside of that. But, yeah, I mean, the talent is still there for Miami. Um, I, I will say it's interesting that you say that Manny Diaz is coaching for his job because I think he's already gone. I don't I don't know that there's anything he can do, even if he beats NC State. Yeah. And I think he kind of realizes that, and I, I, I wonder how much. And, I mean, I think, I don't know if you saw today, but they had, you know, I think like two or three receivers hit the hit the transfer portal. They're losing talent already. It's like how much, how much does a win over NC State, you know, number 18 in the country, stop the bleeding? It's an upset. They they may rush the field for this one. That is true. They might. <laughs> they might. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. And I, I I do think that this this could end up being that Ed Orgeron situation where Ed gets mm-hmm. his he got his upset last yeah. week and is still gone because they decided after Kentucky you're done. Yeah. Um. You know, it's it's weird being at that lame duck period, um, but that does work to NC State's benefit. You know, this isn't the Miami team of last year where. Everyone was thinking, oh, this is a top 15 team. This is one of the best teams in the country. No, everyone's looking at you like, hey, you're fresh meat. We can come in, get an easy dub, and walk out. So, you know, what type of coach is Manny Diaz is the question. We're going to see on Saturday. We're going to see on Saturday because if you're the coach that sucks, that's not a good coach, that's not a good football coach, your team's going to lay down and you're going to lose and badly. And, yeah, their schedule, too, for the rest of the year is brutal. So, I mean, he's he's kind of in a no-win situation, but for him, I know his thought is it starts with beating NC State. Yeah. So, you know, it's weird seeing that shift, right, yeah. where the mark is now on NC State's back. You can kind of tell with Dave Dorn, he's trying to keep his team in the mindset of we're the underdog. He talked today in his availability about how NC State's not favored. NC State is favored in this game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there was a single opening line uh, from Circus Sports who their lines are terrible every single week. Yeah. But that opening line was like Miami by two. I think every other place has like NC State by like two and a half, three. Um, so you know the target is now on NC State's back. So it's going to be really interesting to see a can they win this game by how much. Do we see another dominating performance like we did it last week against Boston College? So with that, score prediction. What, what do you think happens? Give me a little narrative. Throw in a bold prediction if you'd like. What do you think happens in this game? i got to think about this one for a second. Um, 
you know, I think Jalen Knighton is going to be good. I was really, really impressed with him. And now their starting quarter, I mean, their starting um, running back is, you know, out for the season. Um, and they're, like, like I said, their third stringer is out. So he's getting the entire workload uh, in the backfield. Um, the other two guys they have are true freshmen. Um, so obviously he's going to see um, a huge workload. And I mean, he it paid off for him last week. Um, in terms of a score prediction, um, it's going to be high scoring, I think. I, I don't know that there's, I mean, any way that it won't be. Um, Miami's defense is interesting. Um, like I said, I think I think we match up pretty well with them um, in terms of uh, receiving um, just sheer size and talent compared to their secondary. Their secondary impressed me, um, but that might have just been because they weren't, you know, committing pass interference every three seconds um, like UNC was. Um I like NC State to score upwards of 40. Um, on the other end, I would say Miami somewhere around 24. I kind of like maybe like a 41 to 24 uh, prediction, something like that, 42 to 24. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go a little more low scoring than you. I'm going to go 31-17 NC State. Uh, I think that that 17, a little bit of that's going to come late too. Um I don't know. I just I think that this NC State team is different, and it is out to prove something. And I think that you're finally seeing an NC State team you can trust. Uh, go ahead and clip this for at, at freezing cold takes because this is the this is prime like words said before a disaster. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna finally allow what I see with my eyes to like be believed. This team is good, and it and it should not have a problem defeating this Miami team. So I think 31-17, um, and I'm going to say, what's my bold prediction? I was asking you, and I didn't think of one. Um, yeah, I didn't even really think of one either. I mean, Jalen Knighton's probably just going to be good. I don't know that that's necessarily bold. but I, I'm going to say that um, because I don't know how good Miami's offensive line is, I think this could feel like the Virginia game last year. I'm going to say that Van Dyke has three interceptions all by different members of the secondary. That's a good one. I, I back that, yeah. I I was a little scared when you asked me for a score prediction solely because the last time I did that was for Mississippi State and we got absolutely destroyed. <laughs> so I'll get a little nervous. Uh, so I'm going to avoid like naming specific players just because yeah. last time I did that, you know, they suffered season-ending injuries. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for but sure. yeah, no, I like that take. That's a really good take. And that's, I mean... Honestly, like NC State secondary, like I, I don't think anybody in the secondary has more, or yeah, I don't think anybody on the defense in general has more than two interceptions. I think the leading uh, guy for that is Drake Thomas. I think he has two. Uh, um, that sounds about right. I'm yeah, and, and then like I don't think anybody else yeah. has two, and and like, there's like several guys, like maybe like six or seven that have one apiece. So I could easily see that. Uh, it'd be awesome to see one guy get like three interceptions, but. <laughs> You know, I could definitely see that by committee kind of thing. All right. Anyway. Well, come back next week. We'll talk about how we did with these predictions. Yeah. Um, we were going to talk about our AP polls, but we've gone for almost 50 minutes now. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to give them a snippet? Uh, you know, here's what I'll say about the about the preseason poll, guys. I, I, I am finally responding to the masses. I, I want to say, I'm you know, Thank you to everyone who looks at my poll every single week. Thank you for everyone who has strong reactions every single week to my poll. 
I promise you I do watch college football. Okay? I promise you I do know a lot about college football. Um, to a certain account, when I ranked Baylor, then they were like, Baylor's ranked? Do you watch college football? Look at Baylor now. Yep. Thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah, no. Come on, and man. And I mean, to piggyback off of that, <laughs> when you had Kentucky like as high as you did, I think you had them eight, um, I was like, whoa, that's high. But people were like coming in at you. They're like, oh, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Very next week, they're 11. Like, <laughs> you know, like, come on. Sometimes I do watch the games. All right. And they had a they had a number six vote, too, from an AP, like somebody from the AP poll. We we don't have just for everyone who doesn't who's not aware. This is not the AP poll. This is the college student media poll. Yes. We I, don't... I thought that would have been clear when I quoted <laughs> the college media poll. But yeah. it's it's cool. It's yeah. cool. We all make mistakes. So I just want to throw it out there so y'all know. I also want to point out, I don't just do this based on vibes. Okay? Yeah. I don't just throw a dart at a board and go, okay, you're here. That, you know, this is all for your resume. Yeah. So if your only Power 5 win is a Clemson team that sucks, you're not going to be ranked. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I, I get that. Now. I had, yeah. Water I, under the bridge. I have them 17 now. Yeah. Come back next week and see which individual team pisses you off out of my <laughs> 25. Yeah. I look forward to it. I have one that would probably irritate people. Yeah. Pretty bad. Which, what you got? You want to share it? Yeah. Or do I have, you not want the mob at your door? I, I'll, I'll go ahead and share it. Uh, before, um, you know, Big Ed was fired, uh, I, ah. I had LSU at 23. Really? Yeah. That was a good upset. I, I can see that. Yeah. I respect it. Yeah. yeah. I, I like their talent too much to not keep. I, I also am just a sucker for LSU. I always think that they're better than they are. But, I mean, their losses, honestly, this year haven't been that bad. They lost to Auburn, who's good. And I think Kentucky, who is also good. Kentucky's good. Lost to UCLA, who is that, one of the yeah. best Pac-12 teams. They're they're flirting with, if not, no, they're ranked for me. They're ranked for me. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's not all bad for LSU. Um, no, I respect that take. Somebody in somebody in the poll to end on this note. Somebody in the poll did rank UTSA number one. Um, so next time you think that we have uh, any say or sway in the uh, AP poll. Um, just, just consider that. <laughs> just consider that fact. All right. Well, with that, we have come to the end of today's episode. Thank you to everyone for joining us. Uh, and come back next week where we're going to talk a little bit about what happens in the Miami game as well as a bit of a preview for the Louisville homecoming game. With that, the episode is over. I'm forgetting how to close. I am Jalen Harrington, <laughs> editor-in-chief. I'm Tristan Tucker, Managing Editor. And I hope all of you have a good rest of your week.